you know, the filter media you guys use for chemical treatment and containments, what, what's, uh, what's, what's like your main go-to? We talked to organo clay and colloidal. I mean, is there a certain, uh, vendors you're sourcing this from, or, you know, are you guys working with a, a bunch of different sources? I mean, how does that work for you guys? How do you choose it? So when you're looking at medias, you're talking typically carbon and organic clay. Um, between those two, you're covering 99.9% .9 of contaminants. Uh, we actually, one of our most used medias uh, supplied by our vendor Hydrosil um, is Organo Blend. And what it is, is a 50-50 mixture of Organo Clay and React. Um, and so with that, you're, it's a heavy hitter with a lot of variability. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders, climate champions, and sustainability professionals who are making an impact in their businesses today. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Hello, ET Nation. I'm excited to announce that I've updated my website that provides listeners more access to episode content and information about the podcast. Please take a moment and visit the website and sign up for email notifications and blog postings. Also, check out our sponsors page to see who supports the show. We can't thank these industry leaders enough. Finally, I would really appreciate if you would take a moment and post a review and rate the podcast episodes either from my website or from within your podcast app. This helps the podcast get more exposure on Apple Podcasts and other podcast networks. Also, please send me comments and recommendations on topics that you want to hear about. I hope you enjoy the new website, so check it out at www.seankgrady.com. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Grady, and today's guests are Andrew Morris. He's one of the regional sales reps for eTank. And Jesse Green, he is also one of the senior application engineers. And we are going to talk about water filtration and equipment selection. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Sean, hey. thanks for having us. Absolutely. You know, uh, first off, you know, one of the things that most of the ET Nation that's listening might know is E-Tank has been a huge supporter of the podcast. We can't thank you guys enough for being the, a sponsor and uh, helping us uh, get the message out and creating this platform for everybody. So we're always excited to bring you guys on so you can kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what you guys do in this industry and the value you bring to your customers. And so before we get into it, you know, hey, Tell us a little bit about E-Tank, uh, you know, and, and what you guys do, because some some of the listeners may not know what you guys do. Sure. Um, so been around 26 years now, got started um, really providing rental frack tanks uh, to environmental contractors, environmental customers. Our founder uh, has experience in oil and gas, but he saw the need for that type of equipment in the environmental world. Uh, so he's opened up E-Tank and we've grown from there. So added roll-off capabilities, which include vacuum boxes, um, added pumps and filtration equipment in the last 10 years. So really just, just grown um, inventory-wise, product-wise, as well as geographically. So from starting in Northeast Ohio 26 years ago, we now have nine locations from Buffalo over to Kansas 
City and then down into uh, Middle Tennessee and Kentucky. Wow. Okay. So you guys have been growing. I mean, that's a pretty good stretch of the the U.S. that you guys are covering. I mean, where yeah. where do you where would you not be able to like support if you know someone called you? Is there certain kind of like limits? Uh, yes and no. We'll we'll go anywhere. It just might not be financially feasible, right? So you get you know west of the Rockies, probably not going to be uh, able to help out there right now. Uh, you get right. down into the south southeast, uh, depending on where the south. So Florida, Georgia, maybe not so much. Um, we've had equipment out in New England. We've had equipment in Wyoming, um, down in Alabama. So, so we we get to a lot of places because we're a trusted provider for a lot of our customers. Gotcha. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about E tanks water filtration capabilities. That's kind of the I think the theme of today's conversation. You know, what types of system are you guys offering, and and what types of water are typically are you guys processing? Sure. Um, I'll touch base on, on what we're doing. And, and Jesse, he's the, uh, he's really the brains, the, uh, the design, uh, designer of these systems. But, uh, a lot of our customers will do construction dewatering. Uh, so sometimes filtration is as simple as, Hey, we need to pull out this dewater or dewater an excavation. We're discharging on site, but we have to get rid of the suspended solids. So that's, that's a very simple bag filters, cartridge filters, whatever we need to get to, um, in that regard. But we also do contaminant filtration. So working with environmental contractors, environmental consultants, um, removing PCBs, PFAS, PFOAs, um, heavy metals, chlorinated solvents, uh, pretty much if it can be contaminated in water, we probably have a media that can can help remove it and get it down to uh, an on-site discharge allowable limit. Wow. Okay. And yeah. then yeah, talk a little more, Jesse, about you yeah. know how you're putting these systems together. Yeah. So, well, to kind of compound on uh, what Andrew's saying there, um, so dewatering, brownfield sites, total remediation, anywhere we, we can be found. Um, you, when you, when you're talking about filtration, you start out with solid separation, then into dissolved contaminants. We also do colloidal sol- uh, colloidal solids. So that's, you know, really, really small. You couldn't catch it with a bag, introduce biopolymers to create coagulation, flocculation, things like that, um, just to increase the speed of the settling time. Um, so we do all types of systems, and there's times when everything is incorporated. So you might have a system that pulls from a tank or a source, whatever it is, goes into a bag filter um, with 25 micron bags or something like that. Sizing anywhere from a single bag all the way up to a 23 bag um, and anything in between. Then you go through your medias. Um, So that might be carbon, organoclay, or specialty blends that are specifically targeting a certain contaminant, such as uh, you're shooting for mercury, so you need to bring in a modified earth blend or um, arsenic or something like that, right? Um, after that, we typically go through a cartridge filter. This, uh, this is something that not, not a whole lot of companies do, but we do it mostly as a safeguard so that if there is any sort of, let's say, carbon dust that's really, really small that's going to pass through the system, Right. It's already soaked up that contamination. So we want to catch that too before you hit that discharge. Um, so that goes on the end flow meter to, yeah, so that you're actually able to charge the right amount and so that your system is designed uh, for the 
correct rate than to your discharge. Um, so that's kind of a typical setup. But there's times when we might add a biopolymer in front or something like that um, just to kind of help get things going. Well, so let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the types of projects you're deploying your solutions with. I mean, we, we touched a little bit about, you know, maybe contaminated sites or, you know, removing some, you know, water from, you know, streams or whatever. But like, give us some real life examples of, of some of the projects you've worked on that you've had some success, you know, deploying a filtration system and how it really helped the, the customer. Sure. Um, so... I, I cover Indiana and Southwest Ohio, so I can speak to some of the projects, obviously, in in, uh, in my area pretty well. So one area uh, mentioned construction was uh, in Indianapolis, um, uh, the Justice Center, where they're obviously building a new uh, Justice Center uh, courts, etc. But they were having to pour a new footer uh, for the new building, and there was a lot of groundwater infiltration customer needed us to get the groundwater removed from the excavation and then the sediment removed from that water so they could do a direct discharge on site instead of hauling it off with vac trucks because um, there was really nothing wrong with um, with the water except for the sediment so what we were able to do was use a six inch vac assist pump uh, so it's a dry prime pump it's, it's almost foolproof for uh, people to use we were able to pump that water from the excavation into uh, two frack tanks that were in series. And they were in series so that gravity could do a lot of work, a lot of heavy lifting on some of the, the bigger solids um, would drop out between those two tanks. And then on the back end of that second tank, we had another six inch pump that would run through a pair of six bag uh, filters getting down to, I think it was 25 micron, was what was required for them to do a direct discharge. Um, everything went really well. We had float controls on the pumps. They could run, uh, we had day tanks, which basically added fuel cells to the, to the pumps. Um, the pumps can run autonomously once they're, once they're fired up, uh, plumped into the day tank and having the float control. So not a whole lot of babysitting on a system like that. Customers were able to do what they needed to do on the construction side while also getting all that, uh, water out of there. Well, you, you kind of touched on a little bit of like you know, setting up a system and, and, and letting it run and, and do its thing. But do you guys have like digital technologies associated with these pumps where you can, man, you know, manage the flow rate or the pumping speed or something, you know, remotely? Uh, you don't really need to be physically on site all the time. Is there anything like, you know, from an IoT perspective that, you know, you deploy with these pump systems? I can touch on that. Yeah. So, um, just about every pump in our fleet is capable of telematics. Um, so with that being said, especially with these types of pumps, the back assist, dry primes, um, it doesn't hurt to turn them on, turn them off, let it run dry, whatever you want to do. Um, but we can set them up typically paired with a transducer that is flipping the pump on and off. It also can send alerts. Um, so that's really nice. So for a 24 hour 24 hour operation, yeah. we may not have guys on site, or maybe they're on site, they're just not near the pump, but it might say, hey, your water level's supposed to be at six feet, and it's at eight feet now. It shoots off a, a text, phone call, or an email. Um, and you can do all kinds of things with this. You can be measuring vibration on the pump. You can be measuring heat source on the pump. It's, it's a little hotter. And you can also compare it to other types of pumps in that fleet, uh, in our fleet. So. Um, this certain six inch pump might have a little bit more vibration. Okay. 
normally that doesn't matter, but now we're starting to recognize that this pump might be having some issues. Let's, let's go ahead and replace it and figure out what's going on. Um, the other neat thing is there is a web interface. So if for some reason somebody wants to visually see that from their computer and actually see exactly what RPMs it's at or where that transducer level's at, they can see it. Wow, that's pretty good. So you, you do have the ability to have some analytics behind setting up the pumps and have some visualizations to for the customer to see what's really going on or just you guys as the operator see what's going on. I mean, that's that's pretty next level, don't you think? I mean, how many other companies are doing that level of uh, you know managing their pump systems? Yeah, it for sure helps to mitigate some risk for us, um, you know, so it's nice to be able to see all of those little things. I mean, you flip on a pump, you're not going to know, um, oh man, this is vibrating a, a eighth of an inch more or something, you know what I mean? And so it's measuring all of this stuff. So we're starting to know when problems are going to arise and, you know, and that's just guaranteeing that our equipment's at top notch before it goes out. Yeah, no, that, that's really good. I like that. Um Did you know E-Tank is the only environmental rental equipment company in the industry that offers a 100% certified clean guarantee at no additional cost? Well, this gives customers the peace of mind knowing that container contents from the previous renter isn't going to cross-contaminate the contents of the current customer and potentially cause liability concerns. You know, E-Tank also provides a one-of-a-kind complete maintenance program for all its rental items, including liquid-tight roll-off containers, fluid transfer pumps, and filtration system components. To learn more about the types of containers and pumps E-Tank supplies, check out their website at www.etank.net. So the next time you are faced with an environmentally challenging project, give E-Tank a call to help solve your problem. It's just that easy. So you touched a little bit, Andrew, about your customer profile, but, you know, let's dig in a little deeper on that. I mean, you know, who, who are your ideal customers for, you know, E-Tank? You know, like you guys got pumps, you got tanks, you got other services. You, I mean, who's your target audience and, and how are you, you know, driving business? The target audience can vary, right? So there's a lot of different industries out there that can use our equipment. Um, obviously, oil and gas, that's where frack tanks, that's where they got their name. Um, so that's that's a big one in certain parts of the country, not necessarily in Indiana per se, but you got pipeline contractors, pipeline owners uh, for natural gas pipeline when they have to do hydrostatic testing, they can use our tanks and pumps for that. Uh, industrial maintenance contractors are arguably our biggest customer if you do by percentage of revenue um, and classification of customers. So industrial maintenance contractors are big. Emergency spill responders are very big. Um, Everyone obviously saw the, the train derailment in East Palestine back in February. Yeah. Uh, tragic event. Uh, the responders, the emergency responders uh, out there were calling on us. We are the primary provider of frack tanks and pumps up to uh, a certain point. And we said, hey, guys, we can't we can't get you anymore because we got to be able to cover uh, our other customers as well. So um, it was great that we were a trusted provider for for those uh, spill contractors. Um, environmental consultants, you know, they can use our equipment if they're specking out a, um, they need to do some groundwater filtration or if they're uh, digging, you know, some contaminated soil, our, all of our roll-off boxes are rated for hazmat material, um, which separates us from like a landfill box. Nothing wrong with landfill boxes, um, 
but if you have contaminated media, you can put it in ours, you know, it's fine in there. So um, I do, I know we're talking about some of the projects we've used, but um, we got a second, like that love to touch on also the uh, contaminant filtration. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about contaminating. I mean, one of the big questions I have, and I think industry wants to know is, you know, can you help them treat PFAS water? I mean, that's going to be such a big issue for, you know, clients of yours, customers, you know, clients of, you know, cl uh, consultants and everybody yeah. else, right? How do we treat, how the wastewater facilities or drinking water facilities, are they going to, you know, meet these new pr proposed levels? You know, what are you doing in that space? Sure. So um, we have some PFAS projects going on right now. Um, not uh, for me, I don't have them at a wastewater treatment plant, but I do have them on site uh, at an Air Force base where they have firefighter training, obviously PFAS in firefighting foam. Yep. Um, so this detention pond um, where the water as part of the training, everything goes there. So it's not getting off site it has to be managed and the PFAS has to be reduced to uh, a certain level before the city wastewater treatment plant will accept it. So um, we're able to do an on-site filtrations uh, trailer system for this. And uh, like I said, Jesse is kind of the brains, but he can talk about the media we use and, and why we use that media. Yeah. I mean, cause that's gotta be a pretty complex, you know, process to make sure you have the right media to, to filter out the PFAS since it's gotta be such a low concentration. Yeah. So we attack it with, Two, two different beds. Um, so we start out with a specific PFAS targeted organoclay, um, and we follow that with a coal activated carbon rather than your typical coconut react. Um, so what actually is happening there is you're creating a larger pore space. So when you think of PFAS, everyone always says the forever chemical or forever contaminant, right? It takes forever to break down. And that's because you have these massive chains of, of fluoride in there. And um, so what, what ends up happening, if you just throw it at your typical 830 carbon mesh, you start to bog off that carbon really quickly. You're not using the full capacity of the carbon because it's just so massive, it's blocking it off. Mm -hmm. um, so what we're trying to do is open up the capacity, the interior space, um, so that you're getting a lot more efficiency. Could you use just regular carbon? Sure. You're just going to use a ton of it, way more than you actually need to. And so that's why we use that system. So you get a little bit of variability using both organoclay and carbon, but you're also getting that larger pore space. Well, so it's like a little one-two punch, to, so to speak, to, you know, kind of instead of just hitting it with a big dose of carbon, you know, let's knock it down first before we uh, hit hit with the carbon. Um, you know, because I think you know, I don't know, is carbon more expensive than the organo clay? No, not necessarily. Um, so you typically are going to be paying by the pound on one of those um, organo clays denser, so okay, you, you can fit more in a vessel, so it it will appear that organo clay is more expensive because of that, um, but. When you're looking at the lifetime of a project, it's going to be a lot better to go with a more specified media because you're looking at efficiency. So uh, most most contaminants you can throw carbon at and, and it's going to soak it up. Um, but when you do that, for instance, let's say you throw 
carbon at a mercury project that might also have BTEX or something, right? Yeah. Um, then what's going to happen is it's going to, those, those early stages of the project, it's going to soak all of that up. You're going to see carbon BTEX, it's gone, non-detect. And then at some point, you're going to start seeing this um, mercury just sloughing off the carbon. And what's happening is the BTEX and mercury is still coming in at the same level, but the, the mercury bond is a lot weaker than the BTEX. So the carbon starts to drop off that mercury and suck the BTEX. So at this point now, instead of having uh, lower levels of mercury, you're actually seeing an increase in mercury from your influent to your effluent. It's sloughing it off because it wasn't an efficient design. Yeah. So that's what we're always trying to do is put together projects that are the most efficient for that um, for that project. Now, if you're looking at 10,000 gallons, maybe we're going to go with a more economical solution um, just, you know, to make it cheaper on the customer. But if, when we get into these projects where they're treating 60, 70 million gallons, okay, we're really, really trying to look at efficiency. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I got to imagine, you know, designing for a, a real like long-term project is a lot more complicated than just, you know, showing up, throwing some pumps and some filters on just to get something temporarily, you know, cleaned up, you know, so maybe talk a little bit about your engineering design services, Jesse, you know, and how does that help the customer and e-tank solve the, you know, challenging filtration projects? And what are you doing in that process? Yeah. So that's really it. It comes into play on multiple facets of what we do. Um, with with eTank, there's there's kind of really three main sectors. So you're looking at fluid storage, so tanks, boxes, things of that nature, um, fluid movement, pumps, and then um, filtration. Um, so those are our, our three main sectors. So especially when you get into pumps and filtration, we're gonna have a lot of questions, um, and so. Uh, sometimes that's not fun for the outside sales guys, but um, we really like to jump in and find out exactly what's going on with every single job. Um, so there might be a lot of communication back and forth, but um, the reason is what we're trying to do is give you, for instance, if it's a pump, we're going to ask you everything about the job. Where's the pump sitting? How high are we pulling it? How far are we pushing it? Um, what are your, all of your connection points, everything like that. So that one, when we show up, we have, we have everything we need, but two, we want to supply the most economical option for the job. Um, that's also going to work. So if we can use a four inch pump, um, but maybe a three inch pump is cheaper, let's go with the three inch pump if it works. Right. Um, so that's kind of, we don't want to oversize just to charge more money. Right. We're, we're always trying to go for the, uh, economic option. And that kind of goes the same way with filtration where if we can, like I said, we're going to go with the economic carbon outfit, um, for some of these small, you know, volume projects. But once we get into the larger volume, we're really looking at efficiency. Maybe this is a two-year project. We're expecting to do rebeds every six months or three months, whatever it is. But if we did just throw one specific media at it, maybe you're rebedding every two weeks. And you rebed every two weeks over the lifetime of a two-year project. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah. So 
there's so you know bear with us as we're asking a lot of these questions in the initial setup um but just know it's it's really going to help out in the long term Today's episode is sponsored by Cascade Environmental, the only field services contractor with the experts and equipment to support you from project conception to completion. In addition to the drilling and site characterization services that Cascade is known for, they also offer turnkey in-situ remediation services that include a line of injectable amendments that target tough contaminants like DNAPL, chlorinated solvents, TPH, PEAHs, and PCBs. To learn more about their in-situ remediation services and their line of injectable chemistries, check out their website at www.cascade-env.com forward slash remediation. Contact Cascade to help you start cleaning up your site today. So when maybe you've got a more complex uh, remediation type project that comes in, and the, the consultants leaning a little bit on eTank to help them understand, you know, how do we scale the proper, you know, uh, you know, system for the design of what we're doing? I mean, like, uh, do you guys do any bench scale studies or testing to, to really see if the design that, you know, could most effectively, you know, treat or process the, you know, address the contaminant concern? Do you do any of that kind of work? Because, I gotta imagine that might be beneficial for a project we have a little more time to assess, but you know, not just like quickly, you know, get something out. Yeah, yeah. So, in, in a filtration uh, setup, typically our best option is if we can get an analytical. That's going to give us all the information. But what another nice thing that we have is our um, lab here and our water quality lab. It's here in headquarters in Maslin. And so what we can do there is we typically would want at least one gallon and our client can send that in. Um, and then any type of filtration that we do in the field, we can mimic here in the lab. So if that's throwing it through bag filters, cartridges, whatever, or using a sand filter or, or even your medias, we would then do all of the lab testing here. And from there, if you just need a visual representation, sure, we'll send it back or we can send it off to get tested. Um, and so the nice thing there is, you know, we can tell you all day that your system's going to work. Um, but with this setup, we can give you hard proof that it does work right. um, because we just mimicked it. So that's that's a nice way to go. Yeah, more certainty on the design, the deployment of the solution. That's that's good. Um what would you, Andrew, what are some of the key differentiators that customers appreciate about eTank? You know, it, you know, there's a lot of competitors in the market, but let's talk a little bit. What what differentiates you or sets, separates you guys from the others? Sure. Um, I think first and foremost, that uh, goes back to, to day one of eTank is our tanks are certified clean. Um, and, and that's not to say our competitors have dirty tanks, but we're the only ones that have empirical evidence that our tanks are clean. And what that means for us um, is we know what a customer put into a tank, right? Like, hey, this was used at a gas station site. So it's gonna be petroleum impacted water. Um, we asked the customer, hey, did you guys clean this out? Are we doing some of the cleaning? Uh, and based on that information, we'll do some additional cleaning, but we always take a sample. We'll do a final rinse, get a sample, take it into the lab, uh, 
check for any contaminants that may have been in the tank from that previous job. You know, sometimes it's just, hey, we use city water because we had to use an injection. Well, don't really have to test for anything there because we've already tested and know that the material or that, that the tank is clean. Um, so that day one certified clean frack tanks. Um, you don't want to go through the uh, the cost of doing a big filtration system just to put the material, uh, the, the post treat or the post filter water into a dirty tank. So got peace of mind knowing that the tanks we send you don't have any contamination from another site. But it's also peace of mind knowing that any contamination you had isn't going to someone else's job site. Um, so that's that's first and foremost um, our bread and butter from day one. As far as uh, our pumps and all of our equipment, you know, Jesse was talking about the telemetry on um, being able to check vibrations on pumps. But we also have diagnostic stations at each one of our operation facilities that we can hook our pumps up to. And we are more stringent when we test those pumps than the, than the manufacturer so that we know that the pump is operating to the manufacturer's specification. And our margin of error is, is more strict than, than the manufacturer. So um, even when we're back at our facility, we know that when we send something back out, it's going to work. Includes our tanks and boxes, too. We're doing multi-point inspections, making sure gaskets are good, valves are good, um, you know, are all the pieces there, you know, for, for roll-off boxes, something as simple as that, uh, that have tarps on them. They've got bows that the tarps, are they bent? Are they missing? Um, we want to make sure that the equipment gets out to the job site and is ready to use. And you guys can also haul, um, uh, ha you know, waste containers to, you know, waste facilities if you need to, or you hazmat license to do that? No. Um, and the reason we don't is we don't want to compete with our customers, right? So we can provide the provide the roll-off box. Um, we can provide you with a lot of uh, uh, potential leads. And, you know, if you're, if you're not someone that hauls waste, if you're not in the waste business and you just need help uh, hauling material, we're going to give you some names. And if it is give you, uh, if you're just trying to keep it one point of contact and would like us to do it, sure, we can do that. We've got a lot of... Um, good relationships with subcontractors that can do that. But up front, you know, we're trying to take care of the customer and let them kind of manage the material on their own, but point them in the right deck, right direction when they need it. So, okay. So when waste goes off, they just need to make sure that they can return the box to you guys. They were at the project site or to your facility or something like that. Right. Yep. Yep. And it's, I mean, it's, it's easy for me to, to relate to the waste side because of my background. Right. So before I came to E-Tank, I worked in the waste industry, you know, turnkey waste transportation and disposal and some also uh, industrial maintenance, industrial cleaning services for, for seven years before joining E-Tank. So, so speaking about RECRA and DOT, that's, that's very easy for me to, uh, to understand what the customer's talking about. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Um, well, I wanted to kind of circle back a bit on, um, you know, the filter media you guys use for chemical treatment and contaminants, what, what, uh, what's, what's like your main go-to? We talked to organo clay and collodial. I mean, is there certain uh, vendors you're sourcing this from, or, you know, are you guys working with a, a bunch of different sources? I mean, how does that work for you guys? How do you choose it? So when you're looking at media, as you're talking typically carbon and organo clay, um, between those two, you're covering, 99.9% .9 of contaminants. Uh, we actually, one of our most used medias uh, supplied by our vendor Hydrosil um, is Organo Blend. 
And what it is is a 50-50 mixture of organic clay and react. Um, and so with that, you're, it's a heavy hitter with a lot of variability. Um, but then from there, there's 20 different medias that we're looking at that are specified to specific um, contaminants. And like I said, arsenic, fluoride, mercury, lead, whatever it is, um, there's, there's always something. It's just that there's certain times where maybe that's a bit overkill. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, do you, do you get involved with the, uh, the actual filtration selection, uh, for various types of, uh, chemical in, in a design, you know, design service aspect of it, or, or do you, do you get basically direction from your consultants who are saying, I want this? Yeah. So now that that's not too often. Now there are times whenever we have clients that say, Hey, I need 2000 pounds of carbon and we will, we'll always supply whatever they need, of course, um, and whatever they want. But if it's more uh, efficient for them to use a different media, we're going to offer it, uh, you know, and based on whatever it is. Um, the other nice thing about our, our supplier is if there's ever a certain, uh, you know, weird mixture popping up, we can always go back to them to make sure that the chemistry is going to work. Um, just, you know, in case whatever, you have a certain chemical that, that wouldn't normally be there. Is it going to eat up the carbon? And, and if yeah. so, um, you know, they're always there to help us out. Um, but the vast majority of this stuff, we have a lot of experience in. And, um, you know, the nice thing is, as of now, we haven't failed at it. So everything, everything that we've uh, tried to filter, we've been successful. And so, um, you know, we're just saying, hey, whatever you've got, let us uh, develop a solution. Let us do some bench testing on it and um, we'll know if it's going to work or not. So how are you guys handling the uh, contaminated filter media at, you know, at the conclusion of a project, you know, it's like, okay, we've got this material. It's essentially, it's a waste now. How are we handling that? And how do you work with your customers in that um, under those circumstances? That goes back similar to if we were renting a roll off box, um, you know, we can provide the system, the expertise in setting up something that's going to be efficient. It's going to work. But at the end of the day, when the project's over, it is the, the client's responsibility to, dispose of uh, and clean up the equipment. Again, we have so many relationships, so many people that we can point in the right direction and help you out on that. It's just, we are not going to be the ones doing it. And the big part of that is we don't want to compete with our customers. A lot of our customers already know that they're going to clean those out uh, or they already work with other contractors that can do that work. And we don't want to take that work away from them. Yeah. And then, you know, disposing of the waste piece too, you make the client handle that part of it too. Right. So, yep, so it's, yep. it's clear when they rent the tank, it's like, that's not part of your job or you're not extending your services to that area of the bit, you know, of the project. Right. right. We're very good at what we're good at. We don't want to, we don't want to stretch ourselves too thin. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I got it. Hey, have you been looking to skill up and become a certified sustainability professional and have been wondering where to start? Well, the Center for Sustainability and Excellence offers in-person and online certified professional development programs on topics such as sustainability and corporate responsibility, sustainable development and circular economy, and global reporting initiative standards. 
If you want to maximize your company's impact and become qualified with the latest knowledge in the field, check out CSE's website for more information on courses and costs to become a certified sustainability professional at www.cse-net.org. That's www.cse-net.org. Talk a little bit about uh, one of the services I've seen you guys advertise on a little bit is, is bypass water management. That seems to be, you know, kind of a, it uh, sounds like a really nice fit for the type of work you do and a valued service for certain customers. Yeah. Um, I'll touch base on, on why we're adding it. And then Jesse and talk about the equipment we've added in the last year uh, and what the, those capabilities are. But um, obviously we have pumps. Uh, we added those to support our environmental contractors when they needed to get water from somewhere into our tanks. And it just made sense. The next thing is to support bypass pumping, um, especially as more funds are released. Um, you know, governmental funds, there's a lot of improvement going on in wastewater, uh, stormwater, and even water um, infrastructure. So um, recently we added, and Jesse can touch base more on what it means, but HDPE capabilities um, and we fuse those, we can do that ourselves as far as a uh, on-site fusion. So, um, big benefit to have all that equipment in house. Yeah. So with HDP, that is, it's not new, but it, it's been around for, you know, many years. Um, uh, it's really started to break into the rental market. Uh, and the reason is that it's, cut to order. You can fuse it in any orientation. Um, like most things that are fused, the weld is stronger than it, the pipe itself. So you're looking at leak proof, abrasion resistant, um, chemical resistant. You can leave it out in the sun. The elements don't affect it. I mean, this stuff at this point, it, they're saying that it can, it can be a continuous use for 50 years. Plus, wow. that's just because that's how long it's been around. It might be longer. So, uh, you know, this stuff, I mean, it, it, it's great. And so we have it anywhere from 2 inch to 18 inch in, in stock. And then over that, we can get it and we would still rent it out. We'd still fuse it. Um, one of the other benefits is we use a data logger. So especially on some of these big government jobs where they need um, hard proof that it's done right. Every single fuse is logged, and then we can provide that, um, that it was, you know, you hit that correct um, melt time, the correct cooling time, all of your, your correct pressures for each and every uh, fusion. So that's nice to have as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could think of tons of good uses for that. I mean, uh, I play a little bit of golf, uh, some, of my, some of the fans may know. Uh, you know, and I was playing on a golf course the other day and it needs, there's a nice little pond on the third hole. It needs to be dredged, you know, and you know, the problem will be, you know, the, the creeks running through and, uh, they're going to need to bypass that water to actually dredge the, 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 you know, the pond. So there's, where's one great example of just doing a little bypass pumping, right? Yeah. Well, Hey, and all of our pumps can handle up to three inch solids. So they'll shoot those golf balls out. No problem. And the algae. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could have a little uh, uh, bag filter over there catching all those extra balls too. I'm sure you could sell those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but uh, and then you've got uh, a lot of sewer systems that are trying to you know have some uh, you know infrastructure changes like you know the the infrastructure bills is putting a lot of money out you know for a lot of the communities now to upgrade their infrastructure and i gotta imagine there's gonna be tons of opportunities to to provide bypass uh you know pump filter you know bypass water management services to a lot of these communities looking to address those types of um you know upgrades to their system oh yeah we're out quoting a dozen of those every week um yep. so it's just that's that's one of the areas that our company's really grown um into the cipp or reconstruction on all of those systems um you know and it, a lot of money has been put at that and you know it's it's not that we don't use hose some of the um yeah jobs you know we we've kind of what we do is every job we do a pricing analysis is i is it more economical to use you know rigid hose in this job or should we go ahead and use HTPE? if they're moving the moving the pump all the time maybe doing short sections at a time they might want to hose anyways so yeah um, we're always going to do that but um and that's another thing we've gotten really expanded our large diameter pumps um up to 16 inch we have a six a uh, couple of 16 inch silent pumps coming in here in uh november so um and then everything below that so three four six eight ten twelve silent capable on just about every pump we have um and so so that just helps the, what does that just help the noise, uh, you know, from like a, a residential scenario where they're not constantly hearing a lot of, you know, yeah. loud pumping from the, the bypass pumping. Right. Right. You don't want to be woke up in the middle of the night. Right. So, um, these, these, uh, a lot of the times what's going on is they might have to bypass 24 hours a day for, you know, a week straight or several months, however long it goes. Um, and that pump might be sitting right outside somebody's bedroom window. The nice thing is that pump could be running right outside my window and you wouldn't hear it um, as we're having this conversation. So they're all rated for 63 decibels um, or less. And that's a that's a government spec that's you're going to see that all over a lot of a lot of um, specifications and um, it's the exact same pump. It just has in a sound attenuated box. Uh, it's also padlockable. So if you're in a dangerous neighborhood where maybe you don't want someone to, you know, come in, or, doesn't have to be dangerous. Let's say curious, a curious yeah. neighborhood that yeah. uh, maybe they don't want that pump running. They want to come flip it off. You can throw a padlock on there. To, uh, That's good. Yeah. Well, let's let's do a little quick uh, diversion here. But let's talk a little bit about sustainability and and, and where is E Tank landing? You know, its uh, approach to delivering sustainable solutions for customers. Uh, have you guys thought through that? Have you started to you know strategize in that area of maybe your fleet or the types of equipment you're using, things like that? What what are you guys doing in that space? Yeah. I can jump on that. Um, so sustainability goals um, is it's kind of ingrained in what we do as a company just because of uh, how how involved we are in environmental remediation. Um, we are moving towards everything we buy is tier four plus. A lot of the pumps are actually starting to move into tier five. So we're lowering emissions there. Um, and 
di different types of, of movements like that being economic and efficient with your um, logistical movements, things of that nature as well. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I mean, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's, it, I'm, I'm sure it's a bit of a challenge uh, to, to completely be, you know, zero emission, things like that. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm just curious how companies, you know, like you, you all would be evaluating your sustainability impact into the environment of what you're doing. So I thought I would just ask that question. Sure. Well, look, this has been a pretty good interview. I'm curious if people wanted to know how to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you guys? Yeah. Well, uh, you try not to get a hold of Jesse. That, that's my job is to bother him uh, after hours. So really, uh, if you're in Indiana and Southwest Ohio, you, you call me um, or email me. My email is amorris at etank.net. My phone number is 317-670-0021. Um, if you're just curious who you need to talk to, cause you're not in those areas, you can call me, email me and I can point you in the right direction, or you can get on our website, etank.net, uh, bottom of the front page has got all of our regional account managers, you know, my, my counterparts in uh, in our different areas. Uh, that's great. That's, that's good to hear. And, um, just for the listeners, we'll put a link to, um, to uh, Jesse and, and Andrew's contact information on the podcast episode. You can at least reach out to them at some point down the road if you're interested. Uh, guys, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Talk a little bit about E-Tank and all the value that you're providing industry and the capabilities you guys offer. And really appreciate that, that you know, getting with us and, and being a huge sponsor of the podcast. I really appreciate y'all. Absolutely. Thanks again for having us, Sean. You bet. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. I want to thank our guest Andrew Morris and Jesse Green for coming onto the show today. If you want to learn more about their products and services, check out their website at www.etank.net. That's www.etank.net. We'll also put a link to their contact information on my website. To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, you can check us out on all the major podcast networks or from my website at www.seankgrady.com. Remember, don't forget to follow us and please write a review for us about the episode. It helps increase our placement on all the podcast networks. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Thanks for listening, and until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today.